Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just want to start the show by saying... I cannot believe Brandon Allen is the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. What is he even doing going out on the field? The guy, you know, he's he's completing like 50% of his passes, at least in the game against Minnesota. He's got a 62.6 QBR. The Broncos have a guy on their team that has a perfect quarterback rating. Did you even see Cortland Sutton out there? Jeez. <laughs> gotcha. Now, anyway, um... It's, this is getting kind of weird, guys, because I feel like it's the same message every week. I feel like I'm having the same podcast every week. Now, we've had a couple of good ones. Obviously, the win against the Browns was awesome. This one I thought was going to be awesome, and, well, then it wasn't. And it makes you wonder, what do we say? I mean, really, what do we say? Because, you know, again, when I watch the games, of course I'm rooting for the Broncos to win. One million percent. And when they don't, I'm upset until the final whistle. Then I can kind of sit back and think, okay, was this good or was this bad? And in the end, it was probably good. It's better to be three and seven than it is to be four and six. That's just really how it works. The Broncos have a brutal schedule coming up. And this was a game that it would have been nice to win. I think, you know, you can still argue, yeah, it would help their morale. The young kids can learn. I think the young kids still learned. I think the young kids grew in this game, just like they did against the Browns. Now, it hurts, but in a way, I think it's going to help them grow. It's going to help them know, hey, look, you have to finish a game. Now, in the end, the Minnesota Vikings are much, much more talented than the Denver Broncos. 
They're a really good team. They, they've really got every aspect of a good team. They've got a decent offensive line. They've got a really good running back. They've got a good quarterback, if you like him or not. And their defense is really solid. So that's what you obviously want in a playoff caliber team. They're one of the top four or five teams in the NFC in a very, very good NFC. So it's not that heartbreaking that a Broncos team that is lacking really a quarterback and an offensive line and, you know, a few pieces, at least on defense, that they didn't, you know, stand up to this good team. Now, they could have, they should have, and they almost did. So I think you can take some positives from that. And I, that's what I am. I am going to take positives from it. I'm, I'm looking at this game. I'm saying, look, I'm still seeing guys out there absolutely bawling. And I, and I am. And, and guys are really not giving up on this coaching staff or this team. Now, obviously, the big uh, report came out, I think, maybe last Wednesday or something before the game from Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports claiming that there was there were big issues in the locker room that the team really didn't like the coaching staff they didn't like Fangio the Fangio is is rubbing people the wrong way now of course the Broncos players came out after that and and defended Fangio and said they love him blah 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 honestly I don't really care what the players say because of course the players are going to defend the coach in front of the media now unless you're Antonio Brown or someone now that's not who these Broncos are so it's not a surprise the Broncos defended him. Now, I do think there is, oh, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I think there, there probably are some issues in this locker room. I think that Vic Fangio is, is a, he is a baby boomer coach in a millennial locker room. That's just the simple fact of it. And I think that these millennials, these young kids, they don't necessarily handle this tough love kind of old man approach very well. Now, the, the, the thing is, you handle it well when you win. You handle it badly when you lose. That's just how this works. This is how guys eventually, you know, work with tough coaches. I mean, Bill Belichick is a Scrooge. He's, he's one of the grumpiest dudes in the history of football. But you know what? He wins. And so every single player who goes and plays in New England can forgive any of his little weird eccentricities. Because he wins. Right now, yeah, there are probably are some issues with Vic Fangio because the team is losing. And yes, there's been some odd calls from the coaching staff. Some of the, you know, issues with the schemes that that change late in the game. They're not able to to counteract. They're not able to change with, with what's happening. But that's what happens with a rookie coaching staff. These, this coaching staff has really come out in games and shown they can put together a really, really good game plan. They're very good at using the talent they have. Argue with me, please. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. They, they've proven they can do that. They've proven they can show, they can use their talent to the best of their abilities. That's a huge, huge function of a coaching staff. That's a big plus. Now, what they haven't been able to prove is to be able to go out and finish a game, to be able to go and and put keep the pedal to the metal and and win. And obviously that's a very bad thing. But again, this is a young coaching staff. This is a rookie coaching staff and it's an inexperienced team with an inexperienced coach or uh, quarterback room. And so you can't expect all that much from them. This coaching staff is going to learn on the job and we have to let them. We have to. The people out already asking for the coaching staff's heads it's idiotic it's simply idiotic we can't keep blaming everything on the coaching staff we can't always keep saying oh okay next 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 who do you want 
Yeah, Shanahan's not here. Stop crying over spilled milk. He's not going to be here. He's going to be the coach for the San Francisco 49ers for the next 20 years, maybe. Who else do you want? Who's going to come in and just immediately be perfect? Everyone just assumes that once you fire the guy who's not perfect, you're going to bring in someone who is. It's like John Elway. Yeah, John Elway's made mistakes. I've criticized John Elway plenty. Who are you going to bring in who's going to be better? you have a name? Who's, who's going to do a better job than he has? Maybe someone will, and maybe they won't. It, 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 it's so ridiculous that people always think that someone will come in and, and, and change things immediately. Of course this coaching staff should have more time. Jeez, they've had just over half a year with, with a team that doesn't have a whole lot of talent because their GM had a couple of terrible drafts. But there is hope. There is light in this team. And they've shown that they can use the, the little bit of talent they have in some areas of the team and use it to the best of their abilities. Tim Patrick looks like he could be a really good number two receiver if he stays healthy. Which, yeah, I criticized. And you know what? He looked like a beast out there. The dude's big. He's long. He's athletic. And he makes good grabs and, and you know contested catches. And I'll eat crow on that. I was not a big Tim Patrick guy before the season. And we didn't really get to see much, obviously, because he got hurt. But he looked good. And if you so just look at this team right now. You got you got Sutton, you got Patrick, you got Fant, you've got Lindsey and Freeman. That is a really good nucleus of an offense. Janovich, Reisner, McGovern. I mean, you need probably three guys on the offensive line or at least two. I mean, James, let's say James is at right tackle. You got McGovern maybe moves over to guard, um, Reisner at guard. And then, so you need a left tackle, you need a center, even though multiple publications are saying that, that Garrett Bowles had one of the best weeks of the, of, you know, any offensive lineman. I, I just don't understand what people are looking at. Maybe I'm just an idiot, but, um, I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to bag on Garrett Bowles this week. I've, I've done that plenty. I don't think he's great. I don't think he had a terrible week. I think he's actually improved. So, you know, if he continues to improve, which I somehow doubt, then okay, whatever. Stay with Bulls, but I would definitely rather not. Um, anyway, as I've said over and over, this offense really has a lot of promise. And and seeing Tim Patrick even extenuates that. It makes makes me realize this is they're not far away on offense. And I think that scheme showed in the first half what they can do. If if they get a quarterback who can get in rhythm and and roll out like like Brandon Allen and make some tough passes and throw the ball up and let his receivers make some plays, they could be something. Now, yeah, it all fell apart in the second half. I mean, some some mistakes and maybe some bad play calling, but you know, Minnesota showed up. Minnesota showed up in the second half. They said, Yeah, okay, we're we're a better team and we need to play like it. And they did. Credit to them. Yeah, you know, it's also bad for the Broncos. Shame on them, but credit to the to the Vikings as well. And, you know, you look at the defense as well. They're still one of the top five defenses in football. Yeah, they had a bad second half against a good offense. They gave up some big plays. They had some miscommunications. But there is a lot of hope here. And, and I, I'm really curious what they do with this defense next year because you have a lot of guys heading to free agency. And I think that Fangio has truly shown that his scheme works. Once you get in the right players and once they learn the system, it works. And in my mind, you don't need talented, which I should, how do I say this? You don't need superstars in every position in a Fangio defense. The scheme 
is that good. It's kind of like a Belichick defense. And you need a couple star players. You need a guy like Justin Simmons, who sign him immediately, please, Broncos. You need a guy like Alexander Johnson in the middle, who's been a beast. Yeah, he had kind of a bad game this week, but I still like him a lot. Maybe a guy like Todd Davis alongside him to, th- to thump those running backs. He had a great game as well. Again, I'll eat crow on that. I'm not a Todd Davis fan, but he had a big week. You need some guys, you know, big guys in the middle, like Mike Purcell. Mike Purcell's a nobody. He is. Credit to him. Dude, dude's been around. I mean, he played in the AAF. He's been trying to get a job for seven years, and all of a sudden, he just works. Now, again, credit to Purcell, but also credit to Fangio. So I think this defense is a few pieces away, and I don't think they need to spend that much money. Bryce Callahan's coming back. I think Chris Harris Jr. is probably gone, so Callahan takes his spot. You know, the other Harris on the other side looks pretty good. You know, maybe you should keep Bosby, which means you're going to have money to spend on the offensive line, on another receiver. And so if, if, if Drew Locke can be the future, if he can be the guy, or Brandon Allen, I'll go there, some young, cheap guy, this team is close, guys. And I mean that. They're close. Once this coaching staff figures out how to close games, once they get a quarterback who can close games, and once they spend a little bit of money on some free agents, get another good draft, another top 10 draft pick, I'm telling you, 2020 could already be the year. Part of that is because that's not a very good division. I thought the AFC West was going to be just absolutely insane. You know what? It's not. Kansas City is absolutely beatable. Oakland is better than we thought. Beatable. LA, Absolutely beatable, and, and Philip Rivers is probably gone next year, which means they'll probably be less beatable, but still, it's a winnable division, even with Patrick Mahomes, and if Drew Locke can be that guy, watch out, world, watch out. I'm optimistic today. Even after a tough loss, I'm optimistic because I'm seeing some great things from this team. We're going to talk a little bit more about the quarterback situation in segment three, but up next, the skipper dude is going to tell us the four things he takes away from this Tough week 11 loss to the Minnesota Vikings after this quick break. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Thanks as always, Kevin. Yes, Broncos country, every little thing is going to be okay. I promise it. So after the Broncos' latest last second debacle this week in Minnesota, and it doesn't make it any less painful, but if Brandon McManus doesn't shank a chip shot in the fourth quarter, then he'd likely have had another shot at a chip shot to win the game as time expired on Sunday. But whatever, we're three and seven and four plays from being seven and three. Well, life in the NFL. But as Kevin and I said during the bye week last week, we really need to start treating the rest of this season's games as 2020 preseason games. And to that end, I really thought the Vikings game had some nice things to build on. At a high level, this team caught the Vikings napping in the first half and made them pay for it. And even after the Broncos blew a 20 to nothing halftime lead, they showed some moxie on offense and moved the ball into the red zone as time expired. Bottom line, they went on the road and went toe-to-toe with a Super Bowl caliber, extremely talented Minnesota Vikings team and left holding their heads high. From a season perspective, a preseason perspective, this was very much a mission accomplished, I thought. In fact, the loss leaves the Broncos in the number seven position for next year's draft, according to tankathon.com. So in a certain sense, it was almost a best-case scenario. Believe it or not, a win against the Vikings would have move the Broncos into the number 14 draft position, if my math is correct. So last week, I talked about four different things to look for as we wind down the playoff list 2019 season and see where things will stand heading into the offseason and into the 2020 regular season. So today, I wanted to go back through that list and see what might have changed with the Vikings game. So number one, the question I asked last week, does Brandon Allen have the goods to get you nine or maybe ten wins next year if Drew Locke doesn't develop as expected and Allen is surrounded by a better offensive line and improving possibly even a dominating Vic Fangio defense? Now, Brandon Allen has led this Broncos team to 24 and 23 points in his two games against a couple of extremely stout defenses. Do you remember how many times Joe Flacco led this offense to 23 points? Once in eight games. So just judging by the bottom line so far, you really have to look at Brandon Allen as an upgrade, at least over Joe Flacco. But I want to play a little game as far as Brandon Allen goes. I have a number in my head. It's somewhere between 1 and 100. And it goes with this question. At the beginning of the 2020 NFL season, Brandon Allen will be the blank best quarterback in the NFL. All right, now think about that for a minute. So so my answer is probably not going to shock you much. My answer is 40. In fact, if you're if you're thinking better than 30 as in a starting quarterback or worse than about 55, then you're probably not watching the same games I'm watching. But 40 probably puts him somewhere just below being a legitimate starter, but probably at the higher end of NFL backup quarterbacks. So when Fangio handed him the starting role against Cleveland, I figured that Brandon Allen had a ceiling that was a very marginal NFL starting quarterback, maybe like a Josh McCown or a Ryan Fitzpatrick, and a floor 
that was probably more of a low-end backup, like a Kevin Hogan type guy. And honestly, he's looked to be much closer to his ceiling than his floor so far. He's going to start in Buffalo this week, and the, Buff the Bills will have two weeks worth of tape on him. So the novelty of his first two starts are going to be over, and I think we're going to start to see what kind of weaknesses he has to exploit. How does he handle blitzes, complicated stunts, complex reads in the secondary, jumping routes, double-teaming Cortland Sutton, you name it. I think we'll get a better read this weekend on his downside than we did in the first two games because I think the Bills are going to exploit them. But really, I believe that the Brandon Allen test for the 2019 season, which was to see whether he could fill in for 2020 Drew Locke, should he not progress or should he get injured, has been a nice success. So I'm definitely giving my number one item a thumbs up. Now, as far as Drew Locke, the hype train is building, and we'll talk about this more in depth once there's a plan to actually start him. But I just want to put out a quick spoiler alert uh, to, to everybody. 2000 Drew Drew Locke is not going to give you as good a chance of winning football games in 2019 as Brandon Allen. With his inexperience, he's going to be a step backwards and he's going to leave Broncos country grumbling, perhaps even looking to move on four or five games into Locke's career. Now, Am I in favor of Drew Locke getting a handful of starts to close out the season? Yes, I am. I think of it like a baseball player in a September call-up. Absolutely, but we'll get into more depth on that next week. All right, so item number two from last week. Can Tim Spencer and Deshaun Hamilton or long shots like Jawan Winfrey or Deontay Spencer emerge as a wide receiver too? So one game is not going to tell you a ton, but man, Tim Patrick certainly looked every bit the part in Minnesota. Another six foot four receiver with a big time skill set. I could see Sutton and Patrick and Fant combined creating some major matchup problems for defenses and some great targets for Drew Locke starting in 2020. But here's where I think this discussion ratchets up elite a little bit more even. I've seen a couple of mock drafts that have landed the Broncos with wide receivers in the first round. Jerry Judy, who the esteemed Joe Rolls has called the Michael Jordan of wide receivers, is likely to be off the board by the time the Broncos pick. But two other big-time receivers, C.D. Lamb, the Cortland Sutton-type big-time playmaker, and your, your Tyreek Hill-type deep threat, Henry Ruggs III, are both getting mocked to Denver. We'll undoubtedly get into the dynamics of the Broncos drafting a wide receiver in the first round in a ton of depth come the offseason. But man oh man, the thought of Cortland Sutton plus either a second Cortland Sutton or a Tyreek Hill plus Tim Patrick plus Noah Fant plus Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman as your skill set guys on passing downs, that is some scary, scary stuff. All right, so item number three from last week. What's the deal with this foursome of absolute no-names on defense? Alexander Johnson, Malik Reed, Devontae Harris, and Mike Purcell. Now, just giving things my eye tests, Alexander Johnson and Mike Purcell both seem to be establishing themselves as fixtures in this defense. I think you can count on them pretty much as being anchors going into next year. Our Fantasy Football League has a, a chat line every Sunday, and I thought it was telling that we are collectively much more concerned 
about Mike Purcell going down with an injury. Fortunately, he returned to the game. Then we were about Andy Janovich going down. It shows you just how important Purcell has become to this defense. Now, personally, I thought Devontae Harris took a step backwards against the Vikings, but Fangio and Donatel had him in a lot of man coverage against Stephon Diggs, which was just a brutal assignment. The eye test for me said that he wasn't up to it. And this secondary, while it has played extremely well for being the patchwork that it is, is not yet up to the task of slowing down elite passing offenses. So headed into 2020, you're probably building your secondary around Devontae Bosby and Bryce Callahan, possibly Chris Harris, but I kind of doubt it. But I think Devontae Harris is a significant story to look at for the rest of this 2020 season. Oops, I mean the, um, the 2019 regular season. Is he long-term answer? Is he the long-term answer as your third cornerback? So now, Item number four from last week, and finally, how is this team stacking up against elite NFL teams? I had said that if you're going to compete in four or even five of these next five games starting in Minnesota, it's going to leave you feeling very good about the offseason and headed into next season. And clearly, you're probably one shanked field goal from Brandon McManus away from winning in Minnesota. But I think there's a bit of a reality check here. The Vikings were coming off an emotional win and Dallas were headed into their bye. They just flat out sleepwalked through the first half. And about every break the Broncos could have gotten, they got, including what I counted as three terrible calls by the referees. And so in the second half, you just flat out saw a more talented team get itself together and dominate from start to finish. The Broncos offense actually did pretty decently in the second half, but the Vikings Vikings had four possessions on offense and scored four touchdowns, mostly thanks to some very shoddy pass coverage. So this young defense just wasn't up to that task. So even though this game was extremely close, and I think this showed you that the Broncos definitely have a ways to go before they're ready to complete with the NFL's most elite teams. But that's okay, I think. They're not quitting. Shelby Harris absolutely balled out on Sunday. Brandon Allen showed much more maturity Thanks to Skipper Duke, as, as always, excellent, excellent information. Rich and I agree again. I think masterpiece as of we both half, really see the optimistic side of what's going on. Because, partly because to take seriously. you have to. Tim Patrick that's could really emerge as your wide receiver, too. Unless you're like Cleveland and you're just one of the most prolific always, always in a state of despair. And that is eventually the only thing that can make you happy. But I think that's kind of the Cleveland Browns fans. Um, Yeah, in the end, it all, as we all know, it comes down to quarterback and it comes down to what on earth is the plan of the quarterback. And and I've gone back and forth on Twitter with some guys and there's a lot of debate. And and I really, really disagreed at first with Joe Rolls um, from MileHighReport.com when he said pretty much that. Yeah, the situation right now with the Broncos quarterbacks is not good, especially when Joe Flacco was starting, which we both obviously agreed on. And then Joe said, you know, okay, but what's the point in throwing Drew Locke into the fire right now? And I I disagreed and I argued and I said, no, that's ridiculous. He needs to get in as soon as possible, throw him in right now. The guy needs to learn how to play the quarterback position. And Joe, you know, obviously disagreed and had his own points. And, you know, we kind of, you know, left it at that. Eventually, I kind of looked into it and thought about it and decided, you know, he's probably right because there are a lot of things that go into into this. And Vic Fangio just came out yesterday in a press conference and he had a long quote. And I, I highly recommend that you go and, and find his quote on Twitter. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but he pretty much said, to, to summarize, he said, you know, 
he doesn't think it's necessary that Drew Locke play this year. And I think that's the quote that everyone took and ran with, and everyone's freaking out and, and wanting Vic Fangio to be fired immediately. And that wasn't the whole quote. I mean, he was talking about, in essence, you know, his history with guys in the league and, and, and how guys had three great games, you know, at the end of a season in their rookie year and then came out and were terrible. And the team had changed their opinion of this guy or of their team. They, they changed their route of their team because this guy had three great games. And three games according to Vic Fangio, is just not enough. And I think that's true. Look at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's been terrible this year. The Browns built everything around Baker Mayfield. Yeah, of course, partly because he's the number one pick overall, but partly because he had a couple really good games after they changed their scheme and brought in a new coach or, or you know promoted a new coach, and, and, and Baker Mayfield kind of went off. And so they, they went, okay, yep, we're going all in. 2019, Cleveland Browns, we're going to the Super Bowl type of idea. And then Baker Mayfield has really honestly been the worst quarterback in football. And it just shows that you don't really see enough of a guy, partly because teams need a couple weeks to to know who this guy is. Some of these guys, they just don't, they don't have enough tape. I mean, college isn't good enough to really understand what he's going to do. Once you figure out his weaknesses, then you exploit them. And sometimes that takes, I think, five or six weeks for, for defensive coordinators to figure out a quarterback. And so the point being, does Drew Locke have to have three weeks or four weeks or five weeks this year for the Broncos to be able to absolutely know if he's the future? And Vic Fangio is saying no. And you know what? He's right. And this is the point. The Broncos drafted Drew Locke in the second round because they think he is the future. Yeah, he didn't get a chance this year, partly because he was hurt. But even if he hadn't been hurt, would he have started? No, because Joe Flacco was in. Now, yeah, that was a bad decision. We all know my opinion on that. I'm not going to go into that again. But Julak, he got injured. That obviously set him back. He couldn't practice. He couldn't throw the ball. He couldn't be with the team as much. Now he's back. He's he's practicing. But they've only got, you know, so much time left in the season. They got six games. And he's not going to start against Buffalo, obviously. So maybe he starts against the Chargers in week 13. And then you have, you know, five weeks of having to play. Now I totally get the other argument that you're saying, yep, five weeks is enough. And if he's terrible, then you go and draft a quarterback in the top 10. If he's great, then you go and draft an offensive lineman or wide receiver or whatever. It's not enough. And in Vic Fangio, his point in the front offices, their point is this is his team. It has to be either that or they're saying either they're saying it is or it isn't. Either they know for sure it is or they know for sure it isn't. And they can't know for sure it isn't because the guy hasn't played. So they have to have confidence that he is a better chance. He is a better opportunity right now than going in the top 10 and drafting a quarterback. Now, obviously that could change if they absolutely, if they fall to number four or something and they love Fromm or Herbert or whoever's available. Yeah, of course it could change. No one knows what's going to happen in the draft. The Broncos don't know what's going to happen in the draft. So don't come back at me next year and say, yeah, Kevin, you're an idiot. You're wrong. They don't know. The Broncos don't know. If, if the perfect situation happens in the draft, then yeah, sure, they'll pick Herbert because they love Herbert and they just like Locke. But I think right now their plan is they don't mind redshirting him because even if he plays the next five games after Buffalo, that's not enough for them to say if he's the future or not. He needs a year. And that's fair. That should, we should be happy about that. We should be happy that the Broncos aren't ready to judge a guy off of three games. 
Now, some guys you can. I mean, Paxton Lynch, you can judge after a couple practices, you know, because he's an airhead, doesn't want to learn. That has not been my impression of Drew Locke. Now, I'm not in the locker room with him, but I get the impression he is a hardworking guy who's diligent and he's doing everything he can to learn the offense. And I think he's improved. And I think the coaches think he's improved. That being the case, they're not going to give up on him because of a few practices. And I hope they're not going to give up on him because of a few games. This is a good thing. This is the maturing of our front office and coaching staff. I, that's how I see it. Now, yeah, maybe that's glass half full. Maybe if you're glass half empty, you're just saying, yeah, the front office and coaching staffs are a bunch of morons who just want another quarterback controversy with a sixth round pick, Brandon Allen, who doesn't have the upside of Case Keenum. Sure, you could say that too, but you really think these guys are idiots? Come on, they've been around the NFL for for decades. I don't like all their picks, but you know what? It's a hard job. Being a GM in the NFL is not easy. You make mistakes. Everyone does. Look at some teams that have been losers forever. You know what? John Elway won a Super Bowl, so suck it. Yeah, I don't like all of his decisions, and we should hold him accountable. But you've got to give him a break and say, okay, you know, he has led this team to uh, a Super Bowl and a lot of victories. They're in a rough patch. But you know what? You know who's been in rough patches for years? I don't know. Detroit. Tampa Bay. Jets, Miami, Cincinnati. Now, yeah, sure, they've had some winning seasons, but they don't do anything in the playoffs. You know who hasn't had that issue? The Denver Broncos. They're in a tough patch, but I would rather be a Denver Bronco fan than just about any other fan right now. You've got to give him the benefit, at least for another year, because they have a new coaching staff, and he's had a couple good drafts. That doesn't mean we don't criticize him. That doesn't mean we don't say, yeah, dude, Elway, bro. You had three drafts in a row that sucked. It's true. And we have to say, yeah, you know, we don't want quarterback controversy. We don't want Brandon Allen to be even thought about as the future. And I don't think they do. I don't think they do. He's not the future. He had a couple decent games. He did. Good for him. The guy looks like a very solid backup. That is extremely valuable in the NFL. Do not underestimate the value of a backup quarterback. Look at the NFL this year. Look what Teddy Bridgewater did for New Orleans. New Orleans lost their their Hall of Fame quarterback, and you would think, well, there goes our season. He was out for, what, five weeks? New Orleans was almost better with Teddy Bridgewater. That's huge. I would love for Brandon Allen to be the backup on this team because he shows that he can lead a team. He's got character. He's got leadership abilities, and he's a pretty decent quarterback. This is good. These things can be mutually inclusive. I mean, you can like him and not want him to be the future. That's okay. And he's not going to be the future. Come on, guys. I don't think they think that. I think they've learned. You've got to get a guy with upside. Brandon Allen is not the long-term situation at quarterback. Now, if he ends up being a Tom Brady, then I will gladly eat my words. But no, it's not going to happen. It's Drew Locke or it's someone else. And now, and, and knock it off with this bringing in Philip Rivers type stuff. Come on. I don't remember who that was. I don't know if one of these guys from, from one of these one of these other blog stations or whatever said that they thought Philip Rivers should come here. It's like, uh, no. The guy looks worse than Peyton Manning in 2015. And I like Philip Rivers personally. But he's done. Dude is done. So please, no. Cam Newton, no. 
also done. He's he's the guy is he's never he's a shell of himself. 